Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station 77 WABC. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Left vs. Right. My name is Anthony Weiner. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm on the left side and we have Curtis Lee will be joining us at the top of the next hour representing the right. Thank you so much for being part of our day here. A really great afternoon outside. We've got Rich on the other side of the glass helping me get through this show and still learning my way. We had a great week here at WABC Talk Radio 77. Some of the ratings show that more and more New Yorkers, more and more people in our area are listening to this station. We're leading the way in news, leading the way in opinion, leading the way in people like me, learning to do radio each weekend. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, 800-848-9222, 800-848-WABC. You can stream it on WABCradio.com or on the Red Apple Podcast Network. If you mix the show each week or you want to refer someone to it, go ahead. Anywhere you get podcasts. You can get our show immediately when it's done at 4 o'clock. I think it uh, uploads, and so you can do that. It was an excellent week here. You know, there is this notion that, you know, terrestrial radio, radio is a bygone thing. It's a little bit of a dying art. It's true there's an enormous amount of competition, lots of things you can watch, lots of streaming apps that are out there. But there seems to be still an appetite for talk, uh, particularly around local issues, and that's something that John Katsimatidis has focused on ever since he took over here at uh, Talk Radio 77. And every so often, and I'm learning this because I'm new to radio, every so often they do a snapshot, and just like anything else, you want to see how you're doing. And it turns out that remarkably well, Sit and Burning in the Morning are the fastest-growing talk show. I believe they're the number one. Our news segments in the morning, the number one news segments, our opinion uh, um, uh, shows are doing very well. And even this show, with your help, um, has been growing each and every week, and I'm grateful for that. Also, a good week for the Wiener family. Um, one of those rites of passage that goes on usually a few times a year under normal circumstances. We got a chance to do for the first time in, I guess, about two and a half years, and that is Jordan, who's 10 years old. He's in the fourth grade. He had his class had a parents' day where the parents could come and visit the classroom. And you might say, well, why hasn't that happened for a couple of years? Well, for those of you who have kids in school, you know that for the most part, the schools have been locked down. The kids have been allowed back in. Teachers have been allowed back in. But for the most part, they've made every effort to kind of keep the hallways as unclogged as possible. And so he had a chance to visit his class. That was really meaningful for me. You know, I'm an older guy. 
Um, and, uh, you know, experiencing these things with Jordan, particularly since, as many of you know, I missed some time with him when I was away. So it was an extraordinarily meaningful day for me, and I really think Jordan got into it showing me around his classroom, um, and that was a lot of fun. Um, also got a, a, a little bit of mail about the show, most of it very positive. Now, there is a recurring theme. We've now gotten several letters about this. A couple of callers have called about this, that the show hasn't been living up to the combative title that we've chosen for it, left versus right. It hasn't been living up to that bumper that leads us in about gladiators of, I don't, I don't even know what it is, heavyweight champion left and right, because a lot of the show has not been like that. I mean, A, we've kind of agreed with each other, and also the the segments I've had a chance to do, and and I want to, again, thank Curtis um, for both helping me learn how to do this stuff, but also letting me try it out on my own at the top of these shows, um, is more, you know, apt to be called meet me in the middle or, you know, let's get some context, even though one one writer suggested we called it Wiener on a Roll. I think that it is because I have made a decision that I really am not that interested in having shouting matches with people on the far left or the far right. I think for the most part, as I've said repeatedly, for the most part, people are partisan. I'm not saying that they're not. I'm not saying that people are right down the middle and don't have an identification, even though the fastest growing identification nationally, and is true here in New York as well, is people who identify as independents, neither Democrats nor Republicans. But I have come to the conclusion that for me to enjoy doing the radio show that I've been doing and also to engage listeners the way I have is to talk about issues and to try to go a little bit deeper. We've done it with the causes of inflation. We did it on the Hunter Biden laptop, did it last week with immigration, going to try to do it again, uh, doing it again this week. But, you know, maybe there is a point that at some point we, we, we do away with that bumper and we just kind of call it what it is, which is more like trying to get some context. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm a partisan Democrat. I believe what I believe. But I also know that as I listen to talk Radio 77 throughout the week, by and large, right-leading um, analysts, right-leaning commentators. But I think that sometimes I hear an issue that gets raised repeatedly that because I'm someone who doesn't who doesn't necessarily consume right-wing content or conservative content, I hear issues and I want to learn a, bit, a little bit more about them. And going deeper into them frequently leads me to a place that says, you know, there's some right on both sides. And that's where I came down last week in immigration. Some of you are not happy with my rulings on the Hunter Biden laptop that that the people that said look bad for Hunter are exactly right, but the people that thought it attached to Joe Biden were wrong. But I'm going to try to do that again this week. And this week's issue is a, another one that kind of came up coincidentally, um, just both what, what I heard on the station, but more importantly what I was hearing out on the street. And I'll tell you what happened. I'm walking home with Jordan from school, and we walk past one of these guys that is selling incense on the street. And Jordan says to me, Dad, is that – is that marijuana? And he's 10 and a half years old, to give you some context. And I said, no, it's, that's not. That, 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 that's just incense. However, if I smell marijuana in the street, I'll tell you so that you know what that, you know, again, I'm, I'm feeling my way on how to educate Jordan about these subjects. And, um, but by doing that, I realized in the next block and a half, walking down from 14th Street from 2nd Avenue to Avenue A, I said to him four times, oh, by the way, that's the smell of marijuana. And I realized that marijuana, the smokable form, is much more pervasive than I recall it being just walking down the street where I went. And 
And I decided to start looking a little bit more into this subject because I do have to start to think about what I tell Jordan and also to prepare him for some choices that he's going to have to make. And I want to arm him with this. And this is a good time to have a conversation because recreational cannabis, probably by the end of this year here in New York City, will be available in shops. It's available starting this past week in New Jersey, um, frankly, around the country. For medical use, it's in states, Democrat and Republican, blue and red alike, medical use is permitted. 18 states have it available for recreational use. Um, and 13 states have, uh, in addition, have decriminalized it. And so some of this subject, some of this is a function of this issue has moved on pretty quickly. And it's moved on very quickly. As a politician, I couldn't imagine when I first got into politics in the 1990s, and even when I even when I was forced to resign in 2011, being in favor of legal recreational marijuana was a pretty out there position. Now it's pretty much down the middle. And I want to talk a little bit today about concerns. Start with the easy part. I understand, and I think it's fairly easy to argue that that cannabis for medical use has a place in our society. Um, But before I stipulate to that, I should tell you that it is still considered by the federal government, by the FDA, a Schedule I narcotic that that has no medical use, that is unsafe, that is prohibited from transporting, permitted from, from possessing it, permitting from selling it. That's the federal government. The federal government is behind on this. But keep that in the back of your mind because... That status that it has under the federal under the federal law is very important for the rest of this conversation. But for medical use, for people who have to choose now between potentially addictive opiates or aspirin or something else, for them to be able to, for nausea, for PTSD, for other things, to be able to consult with their physician and have access to marijuana, cannabis, to THC, to whatever it is, I can see that argument and I can see that that's an informed decision that people have to make. And they're trying to deal with a real need that they have to reduce their pain, to reduce their discomfort, to be able to get on with their lives. And the second issue that I think that there's broad agreement on is the notion of decriminalizing it. I mean, the fact is that overwhelmingly the people that were getting arrested for possessions of small amounts of marijuana were, were black and brown people. And even though the usage of marijuana by whites and by people of color is about the same by percentage, the number of black people getting arrested was eight times that of whites here in New York City, Hispanics five times that of whites. In Manhattan alone, it was 15 times. What was going on was thousands and thousands and thousands of stops of people that were finding small amounts of marijuana, and we had imprisoned many more people than we really needed to for relatively minor things. And the fact that this was illegal, the fact that these small pose- possession was an illegal, was causing a real distortion in the way. And by the way, if you think, okay, well, those are the only complaints that were coming in, they were just, no. The same numbers of complaints that were coming in about people smelling pot in the hallway or about people smelling, you know, seeing someone smoking a joint, the same in, in, in communities all around the city, and yet the enforcement of these laws overwhelmingly disproportionately coming down on one side of the ledger. So the idea of decriminalizing it, saying, listen, we're not going to put people in jail for this anymore, makes some sense. But the subject I want to talk about today is this idea that by the end of the year, there are going to be stores in our neighborhoods that are going to sell gummy bears. They're going to sell 
chocolate chip cookies. They're going to sell tinctures, these things that, that dissolve on your tongue. They're going to be oils that are going to be sold um, that have cannabis that are cannabis based that have levels of the chemical that makes people high. Um, and there is enormous amount that we don't know and haven't figured out yet, despite that. Uh, we don't really have great research on how addictive this substance is. We, we know that you probably can't overdose from it, but there has been no really good peer-reviewed data on whether it's addictive. I read one journal article that that interviewed a doctor that specializes in helping people with addictions. And, and I've shared with you before that I suffer with that. I've shared with you before that I lost my brother Seth to addiction. And this doctor said, when asked, is there any evidence that, that marijuana is addictive, said, no, there's not good evidence of that. He said, however, my waiting room is filled up with people who are smoking a lot, who have found that it's detrimental to their lives, that are having trouble doing without, and they need more and more of it in order to get the desired effect. In other words, people who seem to be addicted. We don't know, for example, what the proper doses are for people. I know there's this slogan that many people who who talk about this, who advocate on behalf of of recreational use of marijuana say, well, you should start slow and go small or small and slow or something. Basically, start with very small amounts and see how it feels. Well, I can't think of any other drug that we allow to be sold where we just say, see how it feels and let us know um, what the um, what impairment looks like. You know, <laughs> you can't drive a vehicle impaired, but unlike alcohol, where you can look and say, all right, if you have 0.8 blood alcohol, a breathalyzer that shows that we know that you're impaired. It's not the same with the levels of THC in your blood. For example, you can smoke marijuana or take an edible and then traces of it are in your system for weeks later, but you're not at all impaired. On the other side of the coin, you could take something before you get in a car or take something before you show up at work and could possibly be impaired. And we don't have any really great way to measure that. Nor is the language around what impairment even is. You know, their employers can't fire you in New York State after um, um, for 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 using marijuana. They can't fire you in the state unless you are impaired. But when you have a conversation about well, what does it mean to be impaired? The language is really not very helpful. <laughs> you basically say just you'll know it when you know it. Um, and then finally, and perhaps most importantly. We don't really have a sense about what the health impacts are or not. I mean, we know that when it comes to medical marijuana, there have been some studies. There have been some studies in Israel. There have been some studies in other countries that show the efficacy in dealing with some diseases. But here in the United States, since this is a Schedule I narcotic, we've had no studies done of this because – no one, no one can get uh, research funded to do it. No one can possess it long enough to study. No one can give it to subjects. And the one, the one body of information, when the National Academy of Medicine went and looked at all the data of all of the articles that had been written, basically came to the conclusion that cannabis use, and I'm quoting here, is likely to increase the risk of developing schizophrenia and other psychosis. The higher the use, the greater the risk. And here we are in New York City dealing with the tragic instances of people having these psychological breaks and what they mean when they're on a subway platform, or what they mean if they have a handgun in their hand and the like. So these are some of the questions that have come up. I'm, you know, maybe I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know, maybe it's because of my background with addiction. Maybe it's because of the experience my brother had. 
Maybe it's because raising a 10-year-old in the city or maybe it's because the rise of crime recently in New York has gotten me thinking about this. But I'd like to hear what you have to say because this is something that has been widely supported in a bipartisan fashion. If you'd like to get in on the conversation, 800-848-9222, 800-848-WABC. On the other side, I will tell you if an employer is allowed to fire someone if they come smelling, come to work smelling like pot. Thanks for being here. This is Left versus Right. I'm Anthony Weiner. See you on the other side. Talk Radio 77. WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. Welcome back. I'm Anthony Weiner here on Left versus Right. Curtis is going to be joining us at the top of the hour. He and I are going to have some conversations about the issues of the week, including the one we've been talking about so far today, which is the soon-to-be-legal recreational use of cannabis here in New York. Um, We're also going to have a conversation a little later on in this hour, a segment that I think we're going to start doing called Why Anthony Should Care, some of the issues that are getting talked about a lot as part of the I don't know, the culture war that's going on in the United States of America. And this this uh, this episode is going to be why Anthony should care about the Walt Disney Company and their relationship in Florida. But we've been talking about the the coming legalization of cannabis for recreational purposes. And, and again, I think that there is a very strong argument to be made. And I think there's virtual consensus in the country that it should not be a criminal product and that people should not be arrested merely for having small amounts of, of marijuana. And soon uh, they, they, that, that part is already – that part of the law has already changed. It's already been decriminalized. You can possess it. You can have some of it in your – you can grow some of it in your home. It doesn't mean, by the way, that you can smoke pot wherever you want. Um, you still can't smoke it anywhere that you can't smoke cigarettes. And if you have a rider in your lease that says you can't smoke in the building, you can't smoke in the building – and there are, there are all kinds of places that can can limit where you you consume mar- you can consume marijuana or cannabis products the problem becomes when you have product that's legal what rights are do do folks have in limiting the effect the how you are with when you're affected by it and i guess that's a, comp, a, a jumbled way of saying if you consume a cannabis product and you show up at work and uh, uh, there are laws that say, well, you it's perfectly reasonable to fire you if you are impaired. The, but unlike with alcohol, there are not good, clear, measurable standards for whether someone is impaired or not. You know, it's more or less, you know, how does it how did it how does it look or, or is it something that you're trying to do that that you're not able to do because of your use of this cannabis product? And it's also not the kind of thing that you can easily test for. Now, you can do a blood test and you can do a urine test, but my understanding, and I should, this is a good place for me to pause and stipulate, I've been trying to, you know, I made, I've spoken to some experts. I've been trying to do as much reading as I can. Usually what I try to do in these segments is I kind of take the position of I'm going to do all the reading that I can so that you don't have to, but I stipulate to the idea that I, I may make mistakes and I encourage you to call in at 800-848-9222, 800-848-WABC if you think I've made a mistake or if you think that I'm 
I'm characterizing something the wrong way. But as I was saying, that it is it is possible to test someone's blood for the for the presence of the chemical that is in 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 cannabinoids. It is possible to take a blood test to do the same thing. But there is very little scientific consensus about X percent in your blood means a certain amount of impairment. You could have traces of marijuana in your system for weeks after you've consumed it. If you are someone with a certain body type or with certain tolerances, you might be able to have a certain amount in your blood that has no impact at all. So it's going to be very complicated for employers to try to figure this situation out, particularly when it's not a function of, say, medical use where you can say, look, I, I as the employee, I essentially have this disability, which is what, what an, an illness would be, and I need to consume it as opposed to an issue of someone using it recreationally, which is going to be legal. And then there's the, the bigger problem. And I was having a, a couple of conversations with people this week where this is a this is something that people might disagree with. I believe there's going to be increased use. I do. I mean, now other people have said to me, why would there be? It's just they're going to get it legally. I know that in Massachusetts, when they recently had the beginning of recreational sales, there were literally lines around the block around these shops. People were going in and giving it a try because I do believe that when the government says we're going to authorize the sale of a drug, there is an, a presumption that, okay, it has it, – it, it's it, there's some level of vetting that's been done. It is not the same when um, – when you're just when you're going to a a, a guy in Tompkins Square Park and, and buying it on a corner, I do believe it's different. And the other thing I've heard a few people say, and I'm interested in the feedback. Again, I don't consume the the product. Um, I do know, or I believe, and who knows? Maybe my mom and dad will call in. But I do believe that it was a gateway drug for my late brother Seth, and I do believe that he went on to do other things. But there's not science around that either. But I do know this. That I know that I've had conversations with people who are not drug users who have just idly said, I'm going to try it when it becomes available because I've heard A, B, or C about it. I heard it relaxes me. I heard it makes me easier to sleep. I've heard it deals with pain and anxiety. I've heard these things. And I just want to make it clear. There is scant research around these things. And um, so I would like to hear the feedback from people uh, about this this issue the, the board is lighting up a bit about it, so I'm going to take take some calls to get some feels. Another thing that um, we got in, in, in the mailbag this week, a few people commented that the calls have been really good in terms of putting me on the spot and making me think about things, and I agree. They really have been. So let's go ahead and, and, and get started. Dan in New Jersey, get us started today. Thanks for calling in. Thanks, Anthony. Uh, by way of background, prosecutor for 15 years, 30 years, attorney, criminal defense, personal injury. I've worked in many of the impoverished communities in the state where I reside. And I can tell you, albeit anecdotal, not based on any empirical data, I've seen it ravage young men and women, period, marijuana use. And yes, I've seen it become a gateway drug. I've seen marijuana rage. I've seen changes in dispositions and personalities. I went to great lengths when I was a prosecutor not to prosecute kids. Instead, offer them uh, alternatives such as uh, inpatient, outpatient, any type of counseling, things of that nature. So uh, I think you know in your heart of hearts from what you're saying, you know that it's problematic. I'm somewhat disappointed that it's been legalized for recreational use. I think it's going to damage a tremendous amount of young Americans 
men and women in all communities, all walks of life. You know, but Dan, you're you're in a unique position to answer this question. You, you know that the the scaffolding, the foundation for kind of the acceleration towards towards decriminalization is the clear racial biases that have come in in enforcement of marijuana laws. Have you seen that in your criminal? Are you, are you, you're, or you said you're a prosecutor. I mean, do you do you stipulate to that, or do you think that that's been overblown? Overblown. Period. And I'll, I'll be candid with you. Once again, as a fellow that's been doing it for almost 30 years, generally speaking, when you're caught by the police, it's not by design. It's because just like Sally Field, when she said, uh, you really, really love you, uh, love me when she was accepting her Academy Award. Well, you, you really want to get caught when you're caught by the police. They tend to be uh, very reactive as opposed to proactive. And generally speaking, what I've seen and when I work with the cops, it's just amazing. People would just do blatantly criminal and illegal things in front of the police, and they got caught more by accident than, than by design. Yeah. So I think it's overblown. Well, it's, I, I appreciate Dan, and thank you for calling and call us again. I mean, the, the experience we had in New York, though, in this at the height of stop and frisk, four hundred, five hundred, six hundred thousand two fifties getting filled out, which is police officers stopping people on the street. And not offering, not giving them any summons, not giving them any, the stop and frisk around trying to find people with these small amounts of marijuana really did have a disproportionate effect on, on communities of color. But that was an excellent call. Thanks again. We have Henry. This says Regal Park, but is it Rego Park in Queens? Right, Regal Park in Queens. Hey, Anthony, Great to hear you, from sir? you, Henry. I'm well. Thank you for calling. So I've been the police officer uh, for approximately 30 years. So I just want to say one thing. When the police stop and frisk, it's never on the purpose of looking for marijuana. Never. It's absolutely not. It's usually a larger incident, and they happen to find it. A police officer will never target someone because they have a nickel or a dime bag. So that's my one, first point. My second point is, what's your thoughts on limiting the use of recreation drugs by profession? For example, how many people are going to be impaired if you're a surgeon or you're a pilot? Because if you take an edible... You don't smell it. Sometimes you don't even see it. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, we touched on that. And by the way, thank you for your service, and I appreciate. You know, look the the challenge that there is is like, let's say you're a truck driver, and at the end of a shift, you want to have a beer. Um, we wouldn't think twice about that. Well, what if you're a truck driver at the end of your shift and you want to have an edible? There are circumstances where that would be, I don't know. I mean, I don't really know the science, but that would be completely appropriate. It's legal in the state of New York now. Why wouldn't you be able to do it and still do your work? The question becomes, when are you impaired and when are you not impaired? And unlike other things, and again, a lot of this conversation to me comes back to the fact that what we don't know could fill a book. We just don't know enough to be able to make these these decisions because it's such a new subject. And rather then kind of get the answers first. And I just want to say this one more time so people understand. Why is there no science around this? Well, there's no science around this because the federal government that usually does the research, funds the research, supervises the research, and distributes the research, they are out of the business. They basically say this is a Schedule One narcotic. It's ridiculous that they do, but they have to. As a matter of fact, if you have a pot business, a marijuana business, you can't even deposit the money into a bank because the bank is federally is federally chartered and they won't handle any money that's that's drug money. That is the level to which the federal government has abdicated its responsibility. I get that. I understand why the states are in this space. But 
The question becomes, does that mean we go headlong as a state into selling it on street corners and to answer questions like the one that was just asked about, are there professions you should just be able to say no? Um, Let's go to Roseanne on Staten Island. Roseanne, thank you so much for checking in. Yeah, hi. Hey, how are you? I just want to say that there is tons, tons of, I don't know if you would call it science, but proof that marijuana leads to other things. I'm a very social-minded person. I care about people. I care about children. Um, A lot of, a lot of, a lot of children grow up feeling very insecure, very alone, and that is a couple of the reasons why they turn to friends that are using drugs, let me try pot, and unless you are that full cake that is made in the oven with all the ingredients, you're going to fall apart. So if you're going to start legalizing something and having all our children that are emotionally disturbed or need help and they don't even know it yet, you're going to have a society which we already have in the school systems that we live in today, freaked up kids. And the kids are our future. I don't care about the money, the the adults, and and everything else. I care about the children. I'm socially minded. And and everybody's caring about everybody else. No, I I, I hear you, Roseanne. And thank you very much for calling. Call us again. Let me just say this about Roseanne's point. One, she's just not right that there's science that it's a gateway drug. There's a lot of anecdotal information, and there's people have personal experiences. But let's let's go to Paul in Newburgh. Paul in Newburgh, uh, you you have a you have a perspective on this. Let us know what it is. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, I smoked marijuana recreationally for about fifteen years, and I never had any cravings for it. I never desired it again after I quit smoking it. And it never leads me to do, like, cocaine or LSD or anything like that. I think when I drank, I wanted more alcohol. But when it came to marijuana, no, didn't have that. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. I mean, look, this is – you now heard in back-to-back calls two people who had two different experiences and had two different conclusions. And I, and the, the, the point I want to make is I don't believe we should make policy based on anecdotes. And would let, let, let me make this easier for you. Is there any other drug that we would make readily available without a prescription that we would do with such little science? If you turn on, if you TV, you turn on an advertisements here on 77 Talk Radio, uh, uh, WABC, you hear sometimes advertisements for, for drugs. And they have all kinds of disclosures about the harms that may come and about the, the, about the, 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 the cautions and about dosages and things like that. And we just aren't, we don't have that kind of information. Now, there is the point that gets made frequently, and I, it's a good one, that, hey, for years people have been smoking marijuana. They're gonna, they smoked it before these laws. They're going to smoke them after. Let's get it into a regime that is at least a little more formalized, a little more structured, that gets some tax revenue. I, I understand that. That's true. But even that doesn't hold a lot of water because the strains of marijuana are more potent than they ever used to be. The ways that the THC is being delivered is more diverse than ever. And there's no doubt about it that when you put, put something in gummy bear form – 
you are trying to appeal to a certain type of audience. Well, I really do. We're getting a lot of great calls about this, and I want to continue the conversation. We're talking about the oncoming uh, um, legal recreational sale of marijuana and cannabis products here in New York City and New York State. A little later on, Curtis Lee will be joining us. We'll be talking a little about the controversy around the Walt Disney Company. WABC Talk Radio, I'm Anthony Weiner. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you on the other side. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. Welcome back. My name is Anthony Weiner on the left. Curtis Lewa on the right will be joining us at the top of the hour. We have been talking about the soon-to-be legal recreational use of cannabis products here in New York. It started in New Jersey just this week in time for the 420 holiday. And I guess I've been laying out my position, which is uh, there's a lot I don't know, and I admit that, that I think decriminalization had to happen. It was was a small amounts of marijuana, people being arrested and losing their livelihood and their lives being destroyed because of that was not right. That's, I think, fairly easy to determine. I think medical use of marijuana, we have a call coming up about that. I think that's something we can kind of agree upon. But the recreational use, when there's so little that we know, a few of the calls have come in already, have agreed with that. We're interested in what you have to say. Dial in at uh, Talk Radio 77, 800-848-9222, 800-848-WABC. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Wendy in Long Island. Wendy, what do you have to say about this? Um, well, what I wanted to say is nothing good can really come out of this. Um, I was talking to a call screener about there's some evidence to show that there's a link between schizophrenia and smoking marijuana. And when you legalize something, you just get more of that behavior. And I really think we need more people using substances that could just wreck up their lives. We don't want to encourage it. And that's what this law does. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, Wendy, the the... The research is not that clear. There is an increase in 911 calls and emergency room visits in states that have legal marijuana for people complaining of schizophrenia, either as a primary symptom or as a secondary symptom. But it's not at all clear, though, whether it's causal, meaning that the marijuana or the availability of the marijuana is what caused it. But there, of the data that's out there, of the information out there, there seems to be a link. But... The, the the other question the other question is are people trying to treat their schizophrenia by smoking or by consuming a, a cannabis product are they trying to treat it and so it's not really a cause effect thing but you've raised like the, the uh, an important point we don't really have a lot of data one way or the other but when you're dealing with a with a a country and a city that are dealing with problems of mental illness on our streets anyway it seems that we should be extra careful. 
Um, Peter in Greenwich Village, you've been waiting a while. Sorry to keep you on hold. Thank you for checking in. That's fine. Uh, uh, sir, may I suggest that you take a walk in Washington Square Park any day or night? 25 kids, black, white, Hispanic, whatever, are selling drugs already, and no one's stopping them. One other thing, sir. You know, you've had a rough background. Could your rough background be attributed to the fact that you were smoking dope? Well, thanks, Peter, for the call. And and let me take the second part for us. No, marijuana was never part of my thing. I've smoked it a grand total of one time. And I don't want to sound like Bill Clinton, but I didn't like it. I didn't really like it. Um, but as I told you, it did It did influence my my brother, Seth, who I lost to addiction. And about the idea that it's available, I guess you don't have to go to to Greenwich Village. You don't have to go to Washington Square Park or Thompson Square Park near where I live. When you get off the get off at Port Authority now. There are guys that open up card tables selling marijuana, nubs right there, buds right there on the street. It's already started. And one of the arguments made for legalization is to say, listen, this is going on. It's kind of like the prohibition argument. This is going on. Why not bring it out of the shadows, regulate it, get revenue from it, etc.? I understand that argument, but I do think when you legalize something, there are people who say, hey, what the heck, I'll give it a try, who might not otherwise. John in White Plains, thank you so much for calling in on 77 Talk Radio ABC. Hey, Anthony, what's going on? Hey, John. I, uh, you were talking about the truck drivers uh, taking a little puff or uh, edible after, after their shift, but we come under the federal uh, motor academy's uh, testing guidelines, So, but even though it's uh, legal in the state, it's still illegal with the federal, so we come under their guidelines and we can't you know we can't smoke even though you know well you can't now let's so let me see if i understand this you can't consume even when you're not on the job no we can't because uh, they still do uh, random testing and and um you know with the federal they they right. set up the random testing and like if we get into an accident somebody gets injured they send you for the test right away and Got it's, it. still, it's still you know with the federal they they regulate our uh the way we, you know, can you can you have a cu- can you have a couple of beers when you're done with your shift? Oh yes, definitely beers, but not uh, we can't uh, not the, the the pot yet. Right. So, so yeah. but that I until, uh, no, I just want to say thank you for calling in, John. What I guess what the point that advocates for marijuana would say is that the damage that's done by alcohol, and they just would say maybe smoking is in this category and vaping is in this category, far outstrips the harms of marijuana. And so why not make that that legal? And and I think that if we had more information, I would probably agree with that. Um, uh, Helena, is it Helena or Helen in West Orange, New Jersey? Either or. Okay. okay first of all, um, as you know, uh, it's legal in our state now. And uh, second of all, I've heard Eric Adams say a number of times that he wants to start rooftop gardens growing marijuana. Uh, growing uh, whatever it is, uh, c- c- cannabis. Pronounced yeah, cannabis. Matt, yeah. Well, you got to grow marijuana. Why is he right? going to mm-hmm. grow different strains or what? So, so good, good question. First of all, he 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 got a little bit over his skis because he suggested doing it on the roofs of a housing authority project. You can't do that because those are federal bu- Those are federal buildings have federal funding, and it would be a violation of the law, federal law. And and but it's an interesting. This is a perfect example. We have the federal government and, and the previous caller talking about the rules around truck drivers. There is 
So wherever the federal government touches something, it's very clear in their view this is still a violation of the law. You can't transport it over state lines and and, and the like. Um, so we're not going to be growing it on the bill on the roofs of housing authority buildings. But a bigger question is, well, what if you're caught consuming on a, f- a housing authority property where it's technically illegal? And the answer is, if a federal prosecutor wanted to make a name for himself by going after these these things, going after the businesses that they could up to now under President Obama, under President Trump and now under President Biden, it's generally been the policy of the Justice Department. They're going to leave. They're going to leave this alone. What they really should do. Both sides of the aisle should get together and say, let's figure out a way to study this. Let's figure out a way to do some real solid research. Let's figure out a regime that we're going to allow this or not allow it. And let's clear up these these things once and for all so the states aren't doing this on their own. Uh, George in Rockland. Go ahead, buddy. Hey, uh, Anthony. Uh, so listen, OK, I oppose. Uh, well, let me put it this way. OK, I, uh, I have no problems with people want to smoke it okay i have a problem what it does to people i have a problem what it does to society i think that uh, people that using it okay don't really have the concept okay it's like a fun things to do you know it feels good whatever okay but what it does to the brain and to the body of people uh, you know it's diminished the capacity of young people a, you know, it is the impairment part of it, okay? And as they say, it's a gateway drugs, okay? Uh, is a disastrous, okay? It destroys families. It destroys communities. There is a reason why they say don't uh, drink or, for that matter, take any drug. That's including uh, marijuana, okay? Because it impairs people, okay? Would you like, for example, to walk on the street and here comes this bus in Manhattan, you know, the guy, uh, you know, used uh, marijuana or something, and he just keeps driving through uh, the red light, okay? Well, and you're walking there and he runs through you, okay? Yeah, I appreciate it, George, but, you know, that's one extreme. But let's remember something. There are people that are addicted to opiates right now, and maybe this is something that people would consume that might might help them with their pain that is not an opiate. May, you know, you, you take the, you know, maybe it doesn't destroy people's lives. Maybe it helps them deal with, with their ailments. You know, we have someone on. Oh, let's go to Tom in Bergen Beach. Tom, you have some experience with medical marijuana. You want to share that with us? Yes, sir. I'm a, I'm a veteran and a victim of childhood abuse, and I've had PTSD for a very long time. When I was younger, I started using marijuana. And um, eventually it led to other things, but uh, I'm not sure if it was that or because of my mental illness, because of the the, uh, the things that happened. Um, but I noticed I really stopped it for a long time. And then when I got when I was in the army, I didn't smoke at all. and I didn't take any gummies or anything like that. And I noticed when I got out of the army, I was having some real bad PTSD issues. And um, a friend of mine said, why don't you try out the cannabis? And I said, oh, man, this stuff is too strong. I can't do that. And I tried it and it actually worked very well for me. Now, the thing is, you were saying something about alcohol is readily available and advertised. You know, it's one of the most prolific drugs known to man. And it is very, uh, very ill effects, has very ill effects on man or people. And um, you were saying that, you know, there's no, no other, there's no other product that does that. Alcohol is, it's a drug. Alcohol is a drug. The other thing is I wanted to say is saying you do all the reading so we don't have to is a bad idea. (laughs) Uh, Everybody should do as much research as possibly can, as they possibly can. You know, it's bad for your lungs, and it can inhibit your inhibitions, and if you decide to use cannabis, you should be mindful of the effects. You know, uh, and like, like you said earlier, Mr. Weiner, 
uh, start slowly. And remember, different strains can affect you differently. Right. There well, that's website to help you, though. Yeah, that's certainly helpful. And that's it's a, a great call for us to go to the break on. I mean, look, there are people that in, and we should we should thank Tom for his service. There are people that are trying to manage, whether it be physical ailments, whether it be emotional distress or it be emotional illness, that have found great, great relief from cannabis. And that's something that you should honor because, uh, you know, this the pharmaceutical industry has their own ideas and they got thousands and thousands of people hooked and dead on opiates. And we should have an open mind on trying to use this product, which is, around, which is naturally grown and been around for thousands of years. When we get back, get back. We'll we'll wrap up this issue, and also we'll hear at the top of the hour. Curtis Lee will be joining us. We'll be talking a little bit about some of the issues facing New York, and also the Disney controversy. Maybe he, maybe you, maybe someone will try to teach me why it is as a progressive I should care about this issue. It's been a great conversation so far. Thank you for joining us on Talk Radio seventy seven. We'll see you on the other side. Radio 77 WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. Welcome back. My name is Anthony Weiner. Uh, Curtis Lee will be joining us at the top of the hour. We've been talking about the legal recreational use of cannabis, of marijuana, of gummy bears and cookies laced with uh, with chemicals that make you high. I don't know how else to put it. And it's been a great conversation so far. And I just, not to put too fine a point on it, but this really does def- defy traditional left versus right, right? Because I think many people on the right might say, look, part of believing in smaller government, limited government, letting individuals make decisions – is permitting the free sale of a product and letting the marketplace kind of decide, letting consumers learn what's best for them. On the other side, there are many people who believe that decriminalization, allowing this to be readily available is because too often this is the excuse for the police state and other things like that. And and so there has been a real headlong rush towards decriminalization, towards legalization. Now, the final frontier, the recreational use of these drugs when there's so little that we know about it. So far, we've heard calls on both sides. I've expressed my General concern about this, given how little that we seem to know, but many people um, believe that this is the right the right way to go. Let's get a few more calls before we get to the top of the hour when Curtis will be joining us. Curtis is going to try to persuade me that I should care about what's going on between DeSantis and Disney. I can't seem to muster much enthusiasm for it. But let's go to Evelyn in Queens. Evelyn, thanks for checking in. Yeah, hi, Anthony. Enjoy your show. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to tell you that, I, to me, the bottom line of all of this is money. And the states just think that they're going to get a windfall from these sales. And from what I see, what's going on in New Jersey, this stuff is very expensive. So the uh, street dealers are going to be able to undersell it very easily. And they're going to have a whole new influx of people that may want it. So uh, it's just money to me. And then it starts from there. And you can talk about social issues and everything else. I have a question for you. It's a stupid question. Sure. What's with Mayor Adams and his finger? I've seen that wrapped up finger and <laughs> for weeks now at every interview that he has. Is, did he break it or is it a fashion statement? Uh, actually, or it might be that's his finger that he uses to gesture to the press every day and he needs to use it. Let's go to Jeff in Jersey City. 
Hey, Anthony, I called about the pot, and uh, I wanted to say something first about you and support of you uh, in, in our great city, New York. I supported you for mayor as you ran against uh, the other uh, candidates, but most of all, you were running against the Democratic Party. They hated you, Anthony, because you wanted to, you had a mind of your own as you defined yourself like an Ed Koch Democrat and with a strong will and a bright mind, and so much I supported you. And Barack Obama, of all people, and Andrew Cuomo said, you're a bum, you belong in jail. I hated them, and I still do. But the, the, um, the, the pot thing, I smoked when I was a teenager. Once I said, this is not for me. And it's more like a common sense uh, issue, Anthony, like alcohol and tobacco. Where alcohol don't belong, it don't belong in the hands of a teenager that's 17. Uh, tobacco don't belong on sitting on the bus next to somebody blowing smoke in your face. You know what? A lot of common sense. Also, pot, you know, you could just like um, in the old days, you bought pot on the street. Somebody could uh, sprinkle chemicals into pot. You know, if it's not strongly regulated by the government, uh, like in a pharmacy at the drugstore, you could smoke a joint and drop dead on the street. You don't know what's in it, you know. So it's really a common sense issue. Uh, people like you, we need. I, I miss I miss you uh, for New York, for our great city. Well, I, I appreciate, Jeff. It's a very kind call. Well, I'm, I'm here now. You can catch me every Saturday between uh, 2 and 4 right here. I appreciate the call. Let's get a couple a couple more in. Uh, Annie in Pennsylvania. Ann or Annie? Forgive me. Ann. Ann. Go ahead, Ann. Uh, Anthony, when I was, I'm 62, but when I was a teenager, I went to the Bronx High School of Science, and I used to smoke with my friends. So we would share a joint, say, like three or four people. And I cannot tell you how impaired it made you. So when I hear about legalization, uh, it scares the hell out of me because somebody who's high on marijuana is more dangerous driving than somebody's drunk. That's that's great. And I I went to Brooklyn Tech, so you were uh, you were a rival of ours. But thank you very much for sharing your experience. We have a, only time for a couple more, but I want to get them in. A lot of people have been waiting a while. Tom in Hell's Kitchen, go ahead. Hi, uh, I just wanted to say that Amsterdam since the 70s, has essentially legalized marijuana. So there should be some studies or information out there on what the long-term effects are to society. Yeah, so it, that's true. There are some studies out of Amsterdam. There are some studies out of Israel. Israel, a lot of the research that's been done is around medical marijuana. Amsterdam has some experience. But, you know, we have traditionally not relied upon studies that are we you know our fda and i know there's been some controversy around this now but our fda has been the gold standard of trying to study stuff and requiring really rigorous standards when approving anything for um for domestic use and they haven't done much of anything there has been some data on stuff but but let's let's remember another the challenge that we have is that when you study it in some place like amsterdam there are a lot of elements of american society that the, the studies would not translate look there are people, in summary, who swear by the beneficial effects of marijuana, who say that they should not be. You know, there was a, a caller previously who talked about impurities in, in drugs. Well, one of the benefits of having this be a regulated, sold thing in the United States on the streets, on, on the, the stores in New York, is that, that it will be tested. You will have analysts coming in to figure out how much THC is in there, make sure there are no impurities. That's an element of bringing this out of the shadows, which I think should not be ignored. 
And I don't want to claim that, although a lot of the calls have, have, have intimated this, that it is an overwhelmingly negative outlook that people have on this. This is a popular idea. Making this, this is not something that's just a New York thing. It's not something that's a blue state. You have, you have states like Virginia, Alaska, Maine, Montana, Arizona. You have lots of states that are going in this direction. And I guess that the, the, the point is we just don't know for sure about so many of the big questions that you would probably want to know if you were going to legalize any other drug. On the other side of the coin, there are people that every day, within the sound of my voice, who are getting comfort from taking this, who say this is something that grows in the ground. It's not something that the government should be stepping in on, that it's been around for generations and generations, that Native Americans have had this as part of their of their regular lives for, for hundreds of years, and that there is lots of information that shows that it's had benefits. It's also going to bring in tax revenue. It's also maybe going to make enforcement of illegal sales easier because people have a place to go to get it legally. Maybe over the course of time, because we're doing these sales, we can learn something scientifically that we're not able to learn when it's an illegal product. But this is a case where I don't think ideology and ideology alone dictates where you stand on this. A lot of this is personal experience, and I have said a few times, the personal experience of explaining to my 10-year-old what the dangers are and and having to say that soon it's going to be legal the personal experience I've had of, of watching the experience that my late brother Seth had with it, the personal experience that I've had of sitting, you know, with my hockey buddies and having someone say my knee's sore and someone else saying, well, soon you're going to be able to get legal cannabis. And the guy's saying, sure, I'll go get it. And that it was the extent of his, of his medical advice um, leads me to believe that we're moving too quickly. But like so many things, I ain't necessarily right. And I recognize there's a lot of information maybe on a future show We'll bring on some of the people who are advocating strongly for this, that they can make a a better case than I have on their behalf. But at the top of the hour, we're going to hear from Curtis Lewa. He and I are going to talk about some of the issues of the day. He actually has a lot of experience with this particular issue. Maybe he wants to weigh in on it. He Also, we might talk a little bit about uh, why should Anthony care about Disney, DeSantis, and some of the culture wars. This has been a great hour. we got another hour coming up. Thanks for joining us on WABC Talk Radio 77. And I'll see you on the other side.